Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 572. My dad told me, he said, you can always afford to go first class, but you can't stay as long. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jump start a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jump start any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Steve Natali. Steve, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Uh, yes, I am. I've got my racing harness uh, fully snapped in, ready to go. All right. I love it <laughs> when my guests show up prepared and ready to go. Steve Natale owns a successful marketing company along with his wife, Mary. He's an automotive photographer, a blogger, a writer for multiple automotive magazines, and he's a regular contributor to a variety of automotive websites. Steve's been working in the automotive industry for over 35 years, and his past business ventures include all sorts of things, including a car rental company, truck rental company, an automotive repair business, a restoration shop, Vintage parts dealer in an automotive dismantling business. You have played in the car market in all sorts of areas. Steve travels the world attending vintage car events, museums, and collections as well. So, Steve, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you share a moment, a brief moment, and tell us a little bit more about your business and your passion for automobiles? Uh, I've been passionate about cars my entire life, uh, ever since I was old enough to hold a matchbox car. <laughs> cool. <laughs> my parents recognized it right away, and uh, they actually encouraged me uh, and fostered my uh, interest in these cars and took me to car events when I was uh, younger, before mm-hmm. I could drive. And uh, I went to Pebble Beach. They took me to Pebble Beach back in the 1970s, went to the Concours. Wow. Uh, and things like that. And then I also grew up in an automotive family. My grandfather back in Worcester, Massachusetts, was the, um, worked for a uh, car dealer, for a Cadillac Pontiac dealer. His knowledge and just running around the shop at a very early age and going to see the new cars when they're introduced, when they're all covered in plastic in the back, just got me excited. And, yeah. Uh, I just, just love cars. Nowadays, I've channeled all my energy into writing and uh, photography of old cars. And it's a great way for me to experience all types of cars all over the place and meet a lot of people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And boy, getting to go to Pebble Beach back in the early, early, early days, obviously it's changed so much. Uh, Pebble Beach is coming up here very soon. 
I'll be there. I think it's my 27th year in a row going, but the 70s must have been a much different place down there. Uh, yeah, it was still, it was very glamorous, not as large as it is now, obviously. Right. Uh, it's a much smaller event, uh, but wonderful. I remember that was the very first time I ever had to pay to go see a car show. <laughs> yes. And I was kind of shocked when they said, well, that's going to be $10. I'm like, $10? <laughs> I said, I just want to go look. I'm not putting my car in. Right. <laughs> it was <laughs> worth every penny. Obviously, now it's you know close to the $400 or whatever it is, but... Uh, and still worth the money to see these cars. But oh, uh, yeah. I'm glad I saw those cars at a very early age because it was a chance to see the best of the best. Some of the most fantastic cars on the planet are there every year. Mm, yeah. And just to see them in person, you really get an appreciation for what it's like to touch and feel and look at these cars. Well, and even better, the owners are there and you can talk to them, learn their stories behind the cars. It's the same with going out to Laguna Seca to the vintage races. You can walk around, talk to the owners of those cars, and learn about the history and learn about the restoration, uh, the people that owned the cars before them. It, it's really a wonderful venue. It, it is. It's the, the stories behind the cars are what always interested me, and that's probably what fostered my interest in starting to write about them. Like, I have all these great stories, and I'm always hearing about these neat things about cars and the stories behind them and their ownership and the restoration. It's just a great thing to, to write about, so I started doing it. Very cool. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. Some kind of mantra, some kind of saying that has a great meaning to you, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Steve, take the wheel. Well, my dad told me, he said, you can always afford to go first class, but you can't stay as long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just can't stay as long. Yeah. So, meaning that, uh, okay, I can't... Uh, own a V16 Cadillac right now, but I can go look at one and maybe get a ride in it, mm -hmm. and that's equally as enjoyable. Or I can go to a really fancy hotel, but I can't stay for two weeks. I can only stay for two nights, but that's fine too. So experience everything you can. Uh, you don't have to overdo it. Yeah. You don't have you don't have to own it completely. You can enjoy the moment, and that's that's what I try to do. You know, I think our father shared something. My dad used to tell me. If you really want something, wait and save up until you get what you really want. Don't be anxious and settle for less because in the long run, you'll always be disappointed. So I think there's some similarities happening there. And that's the great thing about the car world, especially the Concours world. If you can't afford these cars, at least you can go and be around them. You can share the experience. You can join clubs, even if you don't own that mark quite often, and be around those people and learn about them. So, uh, all is not lost, that's for sure. Well, let's go back in time. You talk about your parents buying you Matchbox, taking you to Concours events, your grandfather. Share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment, as you remember it, when you really knew that you were a car guy? You know, just hanging around the old Pontiac Cadillac dealership in the, in the late 60s and 70s, just being around the, the touch to feel the smell of these cars and always being around them, just... I think I think I was just born with it. I think my grandfather <laughs> said you, you you can't you can never get the gasoline out of your blood. Yes, you know I've I've done other types of businesses, but it always kind of pivots back to cars. Yeah, always. well, always when <laughs> I yeah when I look at the the list of different kinds of companies you've been involved in, there's a a, a familiar thread there: automobiles, automobiles, automobiles. Yeah, it's it's and then one day uh, my cousin gave me a copy of Hemmings Motor News. Mm -hmm. 
back in like I want to say 1977, 1978, and that changed my life. I saw, <laughs> I opened that book up and I just I think I read every ad in the whole the whole issue he gave me. <laughs> he started giving me copies of it when he was through with them, you know, yeah. and then I got my own subscription. Yep. And uh that just opened up an and this is pre-internet of course. And so that opened up the entire world to me of cars. Yeah. Uh, and made all kinds of contacts and just found out, you know, they used to list when events were happening in the area and so forth and uh it was wonderful. Then I, when I first acquired my first old car, then I was able to acquire parts and learn about it, and mm-hmm. definitely a pivotal moment. I got when I, I can still see myself holding that first issue in my hand and looking it over. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at the latest issue on my desk too, so uh, it's still out there. That big, giant, thick uh, book, if you will, that comes every month that we get so excited about and turn the pages with all those opportunities. Well, I would love to go down some roads with you here and talk about a huge challenge or even better, a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. And the most important part of this talk has to do with not so much the actual event, but I want you to take us there, take us to that painful moment. How did you overcome that situation and how did you move forward and what did it teach you? You know, I've had some things that didn't go quite well in the car, different car businesses I've had mm-hmm. and Different reasons, sometimes attrition, like the the market changes, you just need to do something else. Uh, I've had a couple things go down with uh, partnerships that failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those can be painful financially and because of a friendship gets dissolved. Oh, yes. And one of them, uh, one of my business partners during my career uh, landed up embezzling money and it just like, it was just a very hard thing to go through. Oh, and, no. You know, it... Uh, you know, really shocked the business. Uh, it was, you know, it was bad for business. It was bad emotionally. It was just like it was bad on so many different levels. Right. But you just you you plow through it. You know, either you change businesses, go into and I guess that's why I've had so many different businesses. Yeah. Different. <laughs> yeah. One door opens, another closes, and so I look at things. You know, when it gets really, really bad, you figure, well, this is just a it's a lesson, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll move on. Is that the key takeaway for you? When, when Because a lot of people go through these things. I've been through the same things. They are quite emotional. They're so depressing in a sense. So what's your advice for people out there listening that are going through these transitions, whether it's their fault or someone else's fault or the, the nature of uh, the economy at the time? What's a great takeaway for you when you face these failures so that you're able to move forward? I think the best thing I can say is that every situation is impermanent, meaning that Things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Every situation in your life, every moment in your life is is only a moment, and there are different there are different things that are going to happen. So just because you're depressed or things look pretty bad today, that's a temporary situation. Mm-hmm. You know things will get better. It has to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what you cling on to. You just you know that's it's kind of a um, kind of a Buddhist saying, really. You know, every every situation is impermanent. Yes. Meaning that you have the power to change it. And it may just be really, really tough and really, really hard, but the situation is per- is not permanent. Exactly. You also mentioned a great learning lesson, and that is it is a learning lesson. This is a lesson in life that you've learned that you can take forward so that you don't get into that position again, or you see the signs more early and you recognize them and face them more early so that you can move forward and learn from it. So I like both aspects of that. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. You've had many different businesses, so you've moved from different things to different things. Tell us a story 
when you had a career aha moment. I like to say it's a time when those headlights come on and illuminate your way down a new path, a new direction, and tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. Well, I think it's when I bought my first business. I've never never really worked for anybody. I was only 19 years old. I was working for a collector car showroom, a consignment place. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was literally washing cars <laughs> just, to, just to be around the cars. Yeah. I just wanted to be around the cars, you know. Cool. There was a, uh, a business next door, one of the old rent rec franchises, renting used cars. Mm-hmm. And I heard it was for sale. And the, the owner wanted to sell it. So I went and talked to him and got another guy that was working with me. And we bought the business. I was only, I think, 19 years old when we bought the business. All right, cool. We talked him into self-financing it <laughs> to make him payments. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah. So f- literally for like no money down or just hardly any money at all, I was the owner of a fleet of junky old cars. Oh, wow. And we rented them out for like, I think, nine ninety five a day, uh-huh. I think. Yeah. Something. To that. <laughs> and the, a lot of the cars old. There was a 65 Mustang in the fleet, a 70 Electra, 65 Coronet, uh, all kinds of older cars. Right. I got to work on them. I got to polish them up and wax them. And uh, it was a great way to, it was just really exciting, you know, to, to have my own business at such an early age. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to community college. I was kind of there half-heartedly because I spent more time looking around the parking lot at all the old cars than, <laughs> than yeah. I did studying, you know. <laughs> but that was really something that changed my life, you know, and, uh, and I got a lot of encouragement and the business did well and I landed up selling that business and made some money and moved on to the next one after that a few years later. Very cool. I love that story. rent a wreck Great. Yeah, I remember way back in the day uh, where you could rent to use cars and I always thought at the time, what a what a smart idea. You know, it's makes it for a certain uh, group of the market there that can't afford or doesn't want to pay the higher prices and just says, you know, it's a rental anyway, so why do I need a fancy new car? So I like it. Yeah, it was fun. How about a proudest career moment? I've assumed you've had many, but is there one in particular that stands out for you that you'd like to share? I think one of my more proud moments was when I uh, had my first magazine article published in a ma- in a major publication. That was really proud for me. You know, I, I've been writing a lot on the internet, but when you go to print, it's it's just different. You know, you have to go through a, a much stricter editorial process. You work with a, uh, professional editors and so forth, and once you print something on paper, it's there. I can't go in and change it. <laughs> yeah, it's done. I, I can't go on. Yeah, I can't go online and you know modify the story or whatever because I I got something wrong. And that was really neat to see the just hold it in my hands with my name on it. It was a great great feeling. I I loved it. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here and go back and talk about your first really special car. Maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. Oh yeah, my very first car. In fact, the actually the first car that I owned was a 1950 Pontiac four-door fastback Streamliner Deluxe. Oh my gosh. I just too stubborn to buy a normal car. <laughs> <laughs> the car is across the street from one of my one of my friends and uh it was a, one of those projects that didn't quite get finished. You know, he had it painted but didn't put the chrome back on it and the interior was all in boxes, but it ran. Mm-hmm. So I took it home, put it all back together and uh, that was the car I went to high school. I drove it for 2-3 years. That was my only car. Everywhere I went with the car was black with wide white walls and had nice chrome, had had the mohair interior. I took my driver's test in that car. Well, it's a pre- that's a pretty big car. 
Yeah, it's it's like a, it's kind of a it's kind of a size of a 1950 Chevy. It's basically uh, yeah. the same body style, um, but yeah, there's no visibility out of the back on a fastback, especially the four door. You can't see anything behind it. Oh, okay. When you drive a car like that, you cannot see the right front fender either because the hood sits up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the hood is kind of high. Now, did the, is that the car that had the kind of the hood ornament that was the chief, the Indian chief hood ornament? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Silver, yeah. Silver Shriek uh, had the Indian Chief on it. They have, old Pontiacs have lots of character. Oh yeah, the the grill was like a nice big mouth, almost just a yep, almost like a mouthful of braces. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it looked like, and had a straight eight engine in it with a high, with a four speed hydromatic automatic transmission. Nice. So everything about the car was kind of old world, and I just loved that car. Yeah, and yeah. then. Uh, eventually, somebody wanted it more than I did, so I sold it, made a profit on it. There you go. Two weeks later, I landed up with another 1950 Pontiac. <laughs> <laughs> this time, it was a Catalina hardtop. So I actually didn't have a modern car for years. Wow. I mean, I drove nothing but 1950 Pontiacs for probably three or four years, and then I had a then I had a, like a 51 Cadillac. I just had nothing but old cars. My first modern car was a 66 Pontiac. Oh wow! Well, that uh, influence from your grandfather and that Pontiac dealership uh, certainly stuck with you, didn't it? Oh yeah, it did, and that also uh, spawned a lifelong love for Pontiacs and Cadillacs because I spent so much time with them. Absolutely, very cool. Well, how about that old seller's remorse story? Sorry to bring it up, but I have to with every guest. Is there one vehicle? that you've let go, that you really wish you had back in your garage? Yeah, that would be my 1951 Cadillac convertible. Oh, cool. Had a powder blue with dark blue interior. Had the car for years, drove it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Took it on vacation. Used to pick up my parents at the airport in it when they traveled because I had a big trunk. I drove it to Pebble Beach, Mm. just around town. You know, that was just my car when I'm down there. Mm -hmm. I loved the car. And then, um, again, somebody, you know, I was getting married. This is in the late 80s, and uh, somebody really, really wanted the car, and they, they offered me way more than I thought it was worth, mm-hmm. and I wanted to buy another house. I wanted to buy a house, and it just, yeah, I sold it. Yeah, and then, we've uh, all done that. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I've been kicking myself ever since. You know, they've, gone, they've appreciated in value since then, so it's a little harder for me to buy it back. And right. I'll get another one. My, I said once to my wife, I'm like, I'll never have another car like that. She says, yes, you will. You will. Cool. Now, did it have the wire wheels? I remember some of those came with those really cool wire wheels. It had uh, wire wheel hubcaps. Hubcaps, okay. Which is an op- option in 53. The wire wheels didn't come out until 1953, but it's the same body style. Yeah, it was just like a, a very clean driver quality car. It wasn't like a showpiece. Sure. Ah, yeah, they're spectacular. I mean, they just have such a such a beautiful presence. Very, very nice. Well, let's talk about today and what you're doing right now that really has you excited and fired up. Well, I've got a bunch of writing projects going on, but the most exciting one right now is that I'm co-authoring a book on automotive car interiors. Oh, nice. With the gentleman I met uh, in Italy at Villa di Este Concours mm-hmm. a few months ago. And we started a relationship over the phone, and um, he invited me to start writing the book. Oh, exciting. And I'm contributing photography as well. Oh, very cool. Now, uh, do you have an end date of when the book will be published? I don't. I haven't asked him that, but I'm supposed to go back to Germany and work with him and his people on it, possibly in September. Okay. Over there and finalize the books. I got to fly over there and do that. And then I don't have a release date for that, but I'm, I'm excited about it. I don't even know if I'll earn a dime off, off this or anything like that, but it's it's just the experience. I do things for the experience. And the fun gonna... project, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fun. You know, I, 
I met this guy and uh, he's really nice and I'm going to go back and check out his car collection and we'll finalize the book. Sounds exciting. Well, I'm very happy for you. That sounds like a fantastic, uh, fantastic project you're working on. Do let me know when you get near or when it's published. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Steve. If you were a car, what kind of car would Steve be and why? Well, I'm Italian, so there's a good chance I'd be something Italian. Okay, there's a good start. <laughs> However, I love the glamour of the older Cadillacs. In, in American luxury cars, you know, from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Okay. Now, let me stop you there because we're going down a very interesting path, and I'll tell you why. The guest who gave me the idea for this question, and regular listeners will know the answer to this, is the painter-artist Harold Cleworth. And Harold mm-hmm. is originally from Great Britain, the United Kingdom, but he came over here to the U.S. to start painting and started a career that's lasted for decades now. He also just last year published his first book on all of his artwork. And when he answered this question, he was part British car, part American Biarritz Cadillac. So I just (laughs) wanted to tell you, this is an interesting path you're going down here. So let's see how you continue. Well, I guess, uh, you know, to combine the two, we could do an Eldorado Brome. Okay. That's a Pinaferina designed car. Yeah. The body was created in Italy. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You know, they built between 57 and 1960. Yeah. So perhaps that would be what you are. Yeah. What I am. Or, you know, you know, there have been a handful of uh, Italian body, you know, Fagoni and Falashi uh, Cadillacs from the great classic era. But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, that would combine both and probably make me pretty happy to have both. Yeah, I like that. See, very, <laughs> very nicely done and very unique. Absolutely. The first one to, to list that. So thank you again, Harold, for that wonderful question. <laughs> yeah, I love his, love his work. Yeah, he does a great job. So Steve, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Steve, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Patience. Mm, you know, in what sense? Uh, you have to be patient with, uh, when you're doing a restoration, be patient, uh, do the, do a good job, do it correctly, do it properly, don't rush it. And same with buying a car. Don't rush out and buy the first car. Patiently do your, do your research and be patient and find the right car for you. And also when you're driving old cars, you need to have a sense of patience with them as well. <laughs> and their, yeah. their unreliability sometimes. Exactly. So, yeah. Very true. Could you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? I like to be friendly with people, and I don't like to give bad opinions or or speak poorly of anybody. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. 
it, my mom know, taught me. It's so true. You know, just yes. be nice. I've got so far in my career and in life just by being nice. Yes. I wish a lot of people on Facebook these days would uh, take heed that advice with the way they're uh, posting things these days about oh. other people. It's just like, my goodness, just be nice. You know, the world will yeah. be such a better place. So, And people will respond in kind. So yes, they will. If you're nice to somebody, they'll be nice to you. If you're you know, not so nice to somebody, they're not going to be nice to you. So it's a two-way street. Now, how about a resource? I know there's lots of great resources out there today, but is there one in particular that you utilize you think the Car Shell listeners would enjoy as well? I, I really like... Uh, like I mentioned before, Hemmings Motor News, because mm-hmm. it's like it has everything, everything there it has the advertising is interesting. The articles are interesting. Everything about it is interesting. Uh, another great resource, too, is uh, clubs and going to events. Yes. Those are great resources. And you know, the best resource of all is asking questions to, to car owners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you see somebody that has a car that you like, ask them about it. Yeah, they'll tell you. I promise it's- you. They'll tell you. They're expert. They own the car, you know. They've been there and lived it. (laughs) I mean, maybe it's not as conventional, but it's a wonderful way to learn. Absolutely. That's why joining car clubs is so great because you can get to know, even if you don't own the car yet, you can get to know people in the club who've owned many of them and they can either steer you in the right direction or scare you to death to realize that's not the car I want to have. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go down here and buy one of these. So definitely. Well, let's talk about a book. Uh, I know you're working on your book, but is there a book that you've read recently you think the Cars Yeah listeners should crack open and read as well? I I do. I review books on a regular basis, and uh, I just gave this book my highest rating, five stars. Nice. It's um, a book on Airstream called America's World Traveler Airstream by Patrick Foster. Yeah, Patrick's been a guest here on Cars Yeah. Oh, it's a wonderful book. I mean, it's it's not a car, but it has wheels, and it's really cool looking, and I love them. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great book. It has the entire history of the Airstream company, mm-hmm. and it's filled full of vintage factory photos. And he's he was able to archive, go into the archives of Airstream and access information and photography from years past, and it's just a really fun book. It is a fun read. I have a copy myself, and as I mentioned, Patrick's been a guest on the show. He's written written many great books about cars, but that was a unique one. I like the fact that it's focused on the Airstream. Such an iconic brand, such a cool, cool brand. Not only the old vintage ones that you'll see at races and things, vintage races, but my gosh, our neighbor down the street just bought one, and uh, walking through that thing makes me want to get one. I've never wanted a trailer in my life. <laughs> They're just so cool. I know. I just I don't want a trailer either, but I want an Airstream. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, exactly, exactly. That's you the, know? that's the brand. That's what they built. They're just really, really cool. Then you got to get a really cool car to pull it. I think that would be kind of fun. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources on Steve's very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Steve Natali. And Steve's last name is spelled N-A-T-A-L-E. All right, we are up to the checkered flag here, Steve, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, maybe it's something to pull that Airstream trailer. So I'll throw that in, too, if you'd like me to buy one of those. <laughs> because money's no object today here on Cars Yeah. I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like. What would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why would you choose that particular vehicle? That's a difficult question because I like cars from many different eras. Yes. And I, I kind of like put them in different boxes, you know, brass era, classic era, post-war, sports car, muscle car. However... That being said, um, I'm going to go back to Cadillacs and an early 50s Cadillac convertible, and I think the the ultimate 
post-war Cadillac is the 1953 Eldorado. Mm, yes. With just over 500 made. They're a fabulous, fabulous-looking car, fabulous driving car. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, just love it. Yeah. What color would you like? Um, let's see. Today? Today. <laughs> just today. I think today it's going to be azure blue. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, and the great <laughs> thing about that car, it could pull an Airstream. It's got the power. So uh, we'll add a little tow package on that. We'll find you a vintage Airstream from 1953 to pull behind that. But what a what a wonderful choice. I kind of thought you'd go back to Cadillac the way you were talking about them earlier. So very cool. Well, Steve, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Cadillac 53 Eldorado convertible? Mm, Put the top down and have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. Put the top down and have some fun. That's that's your advice. That's 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 my <laughs> advice. You know, just just enjoy the day. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy enjoy your passion, enjoy your hobby. Absolutely, life is short. Now, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing? How can they follow you? I have a blog. Uh, it's it's uh, Steve Natalie's blog, uh, and you can also find uh, my website, stevenatalie.net, and that has links to all my different writings and. Uh, blogs and so forth cool great well listeners again you can find links to everything steve has shared today on his cars yeah show notes page with links to his blog his website everything i encourage you to check out what steve's up to he's definitely living his passion living his dream i think you're going to enjoy it subscribe to get his blog it's a lot of fun steve thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the cars yeah listeners and with me until we talk again i'll see you down the road thanks mark You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.